Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your host. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And this week we're going to be recapping the 2002 rom-com Crossroads starring Britney Spears, Taryn Manning, and Zoe Saldana. I fucking love Zoe Saldana. Do you know she's Dominican? Is she? She is Dominican. She was actually raised in the Dominican Republic. I'm Dominican. So whenever minorities from an obscure country find each other, it's really exciting. Not that we found each other, but you know what I mean. (laughs) You know what? What I hear is Rose is essentially Zoe Saldana. That is correct. Dude, so this movie, I saw it when it came out. Did you watch it when it came out originally? Not in theaters, but I did watch it like in 2002. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in theaters either because I was poor, but... Listen, Britney Spears, rom-com, you are speaking every 12-year-old girl's language. I have to tell you, I'm such a big fan of Britney Spears and I always have been literally since Baby One More Time. And watching this movie made me a little bit sad. It was a little bit nostalgic Mm -hmm. seeing her at her prime, basically. Just seeing her so young vibrant and full of stamina and like hope is that hope yeah the word you're looking for is hope i know it has left you so long ago that you can't put your finger on I, I couldn't <laughs> i have this feeling of <laughs> longing and happiness what is that hope it's like happiness with no specific object yeah it's called hope oh okay it's the opposite of despair this movie is about friendship really It is. It's about childhood best friends. Yes, there's three of them. There is Lucy, who's played by Britney Spears. Mimi, played by Taryn Manning. And then we have Kit, played by Zoe Saldana. I think it's every girl's dream to have a best friend group. It is every girl's dream to have a best friend group, especially since they were childhood into middle school best friends. It's a pivotal time in your life. Yeah. Your middle school best friends are always that elite niche yeah. of best friends because they've seen you at your most awkward, your cringiest, and they still wanted to be seen with you in public. <laughs> yes. So when the movie opens, these three best friends, they're burying a box. In the box, they actually made wishes. They made wishes for their future, of what Mm -hmm. they wanted their future to be. They buried this box and they promised each other they would open it on midnight, the day of their high school graduation. And so we fast forward to eight years later, which is the day of graduation. And these girls are not friends anymore so sad to see yeah yes so these girls are not friends anymore and you know what high school often does that so we're not going to blame anybody in particular listen every year of high school is 20 years in prison every grade of high school you could be a completely different person yeah and then you look back and you're like oh okay (laughs) that's fine that's what i chose to do that's okay yeah that was a choice So we see Mimi. Mimi is this cute little tiny brunette, but she's also pregnant. She's not like about to give birth pregnant. She's like mid-pregnancy pregnant. Again, they're not friends anymore. The three girls are not friends anymore. Mm -hmm. And it seems like out of the three of them, Mimi is the one that's the least privileged. She Mm -hmm. lives in a trailer park and she is pregnant 
she seems to have the parents that give the least shits. Right. I think after her friendship with the other two girls fizzled out, she was just left more or less alone. Yeah. And then we have Kit, who is the popular girl because Mm -hmm. she is Zoe Zaldana. And she is as thin as a toothpick, which Mm -hmm. is all you need to be to be popular in the early 2000s. Yes. (laughs) That that is on God, though. That is a fact. That's on God. (laughs) And also, Kit is not very nice. No, Kit has really established herself as sort of a mean girl. She's definitely Mm -hmm. very snarky, condescending. So she's definitely really established herself as the stereotypical popular mean girl. At one point, Kit bumps into Lucy and is like, watch it. And she's being rude. And I'm just like, this was your best friend for a while. Like, yeah. you know, at the very least, just completely ignore her. Don't be mean to her. <laughs> she doesn't just bump into Lucy. She bumps into Lucy and knocks all of her shit out of her hands and then just steps over her like a pothole. Yeah. And then verbally berates her by calling her a virgin. In the middle of a hallway? In the middle of the hallway, which we have to talk about the fact that in the early early 2000s, there were two things you needed to be ashamed of, being a virgin and being a whore. You know, finding that sweet spot in the middle at at 17 years old. Finding the sweet spot between prude and whore at 17, fucking wild. Not easy. Even as an adult now, I'm like, what is the sweet spot? (laughs) Also, side note, you know what kind of grosses me out a little bit? Britney Spears was a teenager when she started filming this movie. She was 19 Uh years old. And obviously she was 16 when she first came out on the scene, on the pop Uh world scene. And oh my God, was this girl sexualized. And you see this Uh in the movie. She is so sexualized in this movie. The first scene we see of her as a teenager, she's in a tiny little crop top that she's tied in the back and panties. And she's dancing in her room. And the camera is very obviously panning. Like, listen, male gaze all over this movie. If I took a shot every single time the camera panned seductively over this teenage girl, I would be wasted by the end of it. And it was very specifically around Britney Spears. I did not see the camera sexualizing any of the other girls. Definitely not. Even the pregnant one who they said was a whore. They're not sexualizing her. The most openly sexual one in the group is Kit. And they're not sexualizing her. Yeah, So it's the day of graduation and obviously the girls are getting ready. Lucy's dad, played by Dan Aykroyd, he brings in her gown and everything and he's like, baby girl, this is the day. Right away, we're getting overbearing dad vibes. Her dad very obviously is pouring all of his hopes for the future onto his teenage girl. And Courtney, I have to tell you something. Britney Spears' character is supposed to be the valedictorian. Listen, the casting was off because she does not give nerdy vibes, which is what they're trying to push. Yeah, she's supposed to be pushing like this, like sweet, innocent, hardworking, nerdy girl. Listen, Mandy Moore pulled it off great in A Walk to Remember. Britney right, Spears perfect. cannot pull it off. No, she's too confident, especially back then. She carried herself with the confidence. And it just occurred to me just now that the reason Britney Spears was so attacked for her sexuality is because she embraced it and she owned it and that was so threatening in the early 2000s for a young woman to just own her sexuality it was they're like excuse you whore how dare you not be ashamed of your boobs okay don't you realize you have boobs with nipples and (laughs) you're okay with that where is your shame 100 they were like excuse you this is not okay
So a lot of movies do this to where prom is like directly following graduation. This is how it should be, though, because in American high schools, the way it's done, to my knowledge, is that prom is like a random weekend during the school year before graduation. And that is so anticlimactic because prom is supposed to be a big celebration of the end of your high school career. Yeah. So normally in high schools, most kids graduate in May or June and prom is like a random weekend in March or April. Oh, that sucks. I would much rather have prom be the after party of graduation. Yes. Do your graduation. You go have dinner with your family and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you have an excuse to leave all your out-of-town family. It sounds amazing. (laughs) High schools did and are still currently doing us dirty. Yeah, for sure. So during this prom celebration, there are a couple things going on here. Number one, Kit again, who's the popular girl, she has been trying to get a hold of her Mm -hmm. boyfriend. Fiance. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Kit is engaged. Kit's fiance is going to school in California. He called her and told her he's not coming home over the summer. He hasn't been home since Christmas. So she hasn't seen him in like six months. Then we have Mimi. And it seems like Mimi is the only one that's feeling nostalgic about Mm -hmm. this day. And Mimi is going around trying to remind the other girls about that box that they buried that they made a promise to dig up that night. Mimi shows up to prom wearing like khakis and (laughs) she's like, hey, listen, are you coming tonight or not? The first one she asks is Lucy and Lucy's like, "Um, I'm going to go lose my virginity. I can't. And then Kit's like, absolutely not. You're so fucking weird. Kit is like, I'm too cool for this. And it's a little heartbreaking because you could tell it took some courage for Mimi to approach her old best friends who obviously they don't like each other anymore. Mm -hmm. And they both rejected her. That was a little heartbreaking. So we see what Lucy's doing. Lucy has gotten a hotel room with her lab partner played by Justin Long Justin Long who is great casting for Mm -hmm. someone's lab partner let's just say (laughs) yes Justin Long does give off great lab partner vibes I would trust him with my group projects for sure so Justin Long plays Henry and Henry and Lucy at some point during the end of high school, they sat down and they made a list about why they should lose their virginities to each other. You know what? The list is not very thorough. It's pretty generic. We've been lab partners for three years. We really trust each other. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to go off to college a virgin. And that's about it. Those are the two things on the list. Dude, what toxic messaging we received. This was the sentiment when we were growing up, it was kind of like, ew, gross, don't go to college a virgin. You know, like virginity is this thing that you need to throw out of yourself. Here's the thing. When you were like a teenage girl, you had to be a virgin or else you were a whore. But right. once you turned 18, you had to not be, be a virgin or else you were like this weird sexless freak. Right. And, ex- and especially dudes. Could you imagine in 2002, an 18-year-old starting college, an 18-year-old male going to college? And they're like, yeah, man, like how many bitches have you boned? And they're like, oh, zero. And they're like, oh, are you gay? That is so valid. Like I hadn't really considered the fact that, yes, young girls were sexualized really heavily in the early 2000s, but then boys were also really pushed to be sexual in the early 2000s. It was like boys were supposed to be aggressively sexual or 
they were weird. They were gay. Right. Which back then was like the worst thing. Yeah. Being gay was the worst thing you could be in 2002. Oh, that's so terrible. It is so terrible. I mean, imagine being a gay boy and having to touch a vagina and you're like gagging. You're just like, I fucking hate this. (laughs) They're like, why is it making that squishy noise? Smells like an aquarium down here. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I don't go to SeaWorld. Young, impressionable gay teenage boys were forced to touch vaginas so nobody would know they were gay in 2002. Like Lance Bass. Could you imagine how many vaginas Lance Bass had to touch? Especially because NSYNC was such a big band and you you could imagine these guys were hooking up with girls everywhere and they're all looking Mm -hmm. at Lance Bass like, all right, aren't you gonna, you know, do something? And he's going in like with a scuba gear. He just has to find (laughs) the most androgynous looking chick he can find to hook up with. We should have known Lance Bass was gay because he was fine as hell, girl. Dude, he's still... He, listen, age has done him so well. Like, he looks hotter now than he's ever looked. He was always too hot to be straight. He was always too hot to be straight. We, sh- we should have known. It should have been like alarm bells in our head. It should have been like, a red flag. Yes. Red flag. You are too hot to be straight. So Lucy's lab partner, again... Henry, he is ready. Okay, he is so ready to lose his virginity to Lucy, aka Britney Spears. And this is where I call BS because Lucy comes out of the bathroom wearing like this long jacket or robe or something. It's his suit jacket. Underneath, she's wearing just the sexiest lingerie. And it's not that nerdy girls can't be hot. Mm -hmm. It's that if you're going to sell someone as such a nerd, such an inexperienced, innocent nerd, she just can't embody Britney Spears. It just doesn't work. It can't be like that. No. So this guy... Henry, the lab partner, is sitting on the bed and Brittany's in the bathroom like, are you ready yet? He says, yes, hurries up, puts on some Marvin Gaze, let's get it on. He does the father, son, the Holy Spirit right before getting ready to have premarital sex. She came out of that bathroom swinging those hips and giving a little peekaboo. At the end of the day, Lucy decides she doesn't want to lose her virginity to her lab partner. Yeah, and at the end of the day, Kit also decides that she's going to ditch her friends for an hour. It makes me so happy that they both show up. Both Kit and Lucy end up ditching their plans. Then they go and they meet Mimi to go dig up their time capsule. All three girls end up back at the field where they buried their box. And that was really sweet. It was unexpected because it seemed like the only one interested in the box was Mimi. And then they all found their way back to each other. They dig up the box together And when they open it up, it's really cute. They had forgotten what they put in there. The first one to grab her stuff is Kit. And Kit's like, oh my God, my bridal Barbie. I guess Kit wished to be married. I think one of the big things was is that Kit was a chubby middle schooler. And so I think that getting married was like a goal of hers. It was the ultimate I am desirable proof. Yeah. Male validation. And then we have Lucy who put a locket in there that has pictures of her mother. Yes. And so this is where we learn that Lucy's mother is not dead as we all hoped she was. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> we all assumed mommy was dead because it's just her and dad. Right. Lucy's mom is not dead as we all assumed. She actually ran off when Lucy was three years old. And Lucy's locket is a representation of her wish to find her mom. Lucy says, you know, she lives in Arizona, but dad says she doesn't want to be in contact. 
But then Lucy also says that she thinks it's just her dad being difficult. Her dad's angry at her mom. So she, Lucy deep down believes my mom wants to contact me. She's just afraid to go through my dad to do it. Yeah. So then Mimi pulls out what she put in the box and it's a keychain with a globe on it. Mimi says that her wish was to put her feet in the Pacific Ocean. And then Kit being the bitchy mean girl, she says, well, you're not going to be doing that for a while because Mimi's pregnant. I was like, that's so mean, dude. Kit, I don't know if you know this, but children are in fact allowed in California. I don't know if you know this, but babies are like surprisingly portable. Like you could bring them anywhere. You could put them in your pocket sometimes. If you have khaki pants, which this is the early 2000s, pockets were pretty big. Especially if they're breastfeeding. Yeah. You could just put that thing on the tit and take it anywhere. You can't. Babies are surprisingly portable, especially since it seems like Mimi walks around with a whole ass backpack anyways. You know what? Throw a couple diapers, some wet wipes, and a change of clothes. You're good, girl. You're good. You're ready. So Mimi reveals to the girls that she's actually going to go fulfill her wish. Yeah, she says that she found some guy to drive her to California to go do this record label audition thing. And they're like, oh, the other girl's like, I'm sorry. I know we're not friends or anything, but you're just getting in a car with a random guy to go across the country. And Mimi's like, yes, I am. The random guy turns out to be the guitarist from the band playing at prom who may or may not have been just got out of prison. Well, yeah, there were rumors at the prom. People were saying that guy, the guitarist, he killed a guy. He was in jail. And the one who heard that was Kit. She heard that because she thought he was hot. He is hot. He's not not hot for sure. So the girls think that Mimi is crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of the night, they all go their separate ways. And you think that this is it, that this is them saying goodbye. But we see Lucy go back to her house and she's crying in her room. She is. She's crying in her room. The pressure that her dad has put her under to be valedictorian, to go to med school, all this stuff. And then her own struggle with her mom abandoning her. It gets to her. It does. She doesn't have school to occupy her anymore. That is such a big crisis when you graduate from high school and you're like, oh, crap, everyone's looking at you like, what's next? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Lucy is sitting on her bed and she's staring up at all of the accolades on her wall again, because we're supposed to believe that she's this nerdy girl. And her dad walks in and asks why she's crying. And she says, I didn't do anything like I did all of this, but I never went to a party. I never drank. I never had fun. I didn't go to a single football game. Uh, yeah. And her dad's like, yeah, because you have a good head on your shoulders. He's like, that's wonderful, baby. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. I was actually concerned that you stuck out a few times. But thank you so much for like <laughs> satiating my fears right now. Lucy sneaks out that night. Yeah. That night. Lucy decides, bitches, I'm going to California. I'm going to drive with them most of the way to California. They can just drop me off in Arizona. Lucy goes over to her dad's bed. Her dad is sleeping. She leaves her dad a note and she dips. She goes and meets Mimi, who is getting ready to get in the car with the random guy who's driving her to California. And she tells Mimi, could you drop me off in Arizona? I want to go see my mom. Then Kit shows up. Kit says, my fiance is just really busy with school, but he really wants to see me. When I talked to him, he said, maybe you should come out to L.A. sometime this summer. So I'm going to surprise him. Oh, we didn't get it. So then Kit's motivation is to go surprise her boyfriend who goes to college in California. And then Lucy's motivation is to get dropped off at her mom's house and finally meet her mom. Yeah. 
And then the driver and the owner of the vehicle, Ben, his motivation is, I heard about some work out in Los Angeles. So these three girls get in the backseat of this man's convertible. It's some sort of vintage car, right? Yeah, some sort of vintage car. But I do want to point out that not a single one of them wear a seatbelt this entire fucking movie. (laughs) (laughs) Car safety? What's that? You're not going to wear a seatbelt in a convertible? The girl's hometown is in Georgia. So they're trying to go from Georgia to California. That's a long ass drive, my dude. That's several days. So from Atlanta to Los Angeles, and I think they were more Southern, but from Atlanta to Los Angeles, it is 32 hours without stopping. They get into this drive. They get out of Georgia. They get into Alabama. But Ben's just listening to like Guy early to thousands sort of like quintessential dude music and the girls are just bitching and complaining the girls are bitching about all the dude music so they Mm -hmm. beg ben they're like please change the station five minutes that's all we want he promises one minute and he changes the station to the middle of an in-sync song it was that bye 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 song the girls are going crazy they're in the back seat screaming this at the top of their lungs ben is in the driver's seat acting like that song is not a bop come on my dude acting like he doesn't know the words (laughs) he knows the words he gives it about 30 seconds and then he's like i can't do it Yeah, he switches it back. So at some point during the drive, Ben pulls over. He says he's tired. The girls offer to drive. And this is where he sets kind of his first boundary of the trip. He says, absolutely not. No one drives this car but me. Yes, nobody. I'm the only one that drives this car. And then he suggests you know what? We're not going to pay for hotels. We're just, I have sleeping bags and tents. We're just going to camp out. We're going to camp out in the desert in the middle of nowhere. And the girls are like, absolutely fucking not. So obviously the girls don't want to camp out in the middle of nowhere. They start complaining. And then the apparently only rational one of the group, Lucy, speaks up. And for the first time, she sounds like a nerd because she's like, wait a minute. What's our plan? How much money do we have? These are questions nobody's asked. And um, (laughs) they didn't know. So they go to a Waffle House. First of all, I don't know if Britney Spears has ever actually been in a Waffle House. I don't know. She just doesn't seem like the Waffle House kind of person. You know how there are certain materials that repel water? I -hmm. feel like early 2000s Britney Spears repelled carbs. I think carbs just kind of slid off of her, slid off of her washboard abs to the ground where we ate. (laughs) Absolutely. They go to this Waffle House and they're counting up all their money. (laughs) They barely have enough to make it there. Girl, they have $486. Now I need you to think about this. It's four adults driving across the country with $486. I don't know, dude. In this economy, that would not fly. That you would spend that much in food. In in 2002, gas was less than a dollar a gallon. Oh my God. Yeah. But also that car doesn't look like it gets great mileage. So they figure out how much money they can spend on a hotel room. And all four of them get this like really dingy looking hotel room with two beds. And dude, this hotel room made my skin itch. Like I felt itchy. The walls and the carpet are both a deep dark red. And then Mm -hmm. the bedspreads, emerald green. I don't trust hotel rooms to have bed sheets or bedspreads that are not white because that tells me you're not you're not using Clorox on these things. (laughs) You do know that hotels don't wash the comforters between guests, right? They only wash the duvets. I don't like that. Yes. But anyways, so they get this shitty hotel room and... 
Kit, the the mean girl, is like, I'm not sleeping here. Bitch, then go sleep in the car, go sleep in a tent. The, these are your options, honey. So obviously they end up having to sleep there. Ben and Mimi are sleeping in one bed and then Lucy and Kit are sleeping in the other bed. Lucy is facing Ben across the little space between the beds and they're talking at night. You could tell they're kind of into each other. They're definitely kind of into each other. They are some come hither eyes. She's batting her eyelashes. He's giving her the double check. There's definitely some tension built in there. The next morning, the three girls are crowding the bathroom as girls do. There's one peeing, there's one brushing her teeth, there's another one taking a shower. Mm -hmm. When they all convene in front of the sink, this is where Kit reveals that she heard Ben might have killed someone, that he might have gone to jail. Yeah. And Lucy asks Mimi, she goes, Mimi, we are not driving across the country with some dude who just got out of prison for killing a dude. Mimi's like, no, of course not. You know what? I checked his vibes, you know? <laughs> She's like, listen, he had a car and was willing to take us. We yeah. couldn't really be picky, like no criminal record. Right. <laughs> you know, this is 2002. I can't check somebody quickly. OK, this is an important note. There was limited, if any, Internet, no cell phones. Like these girls really went out here with a strange man and no way to, to research him and no way to contact their families. Lucy checks in with her dad via payphone collect calls. Yeah, so Lucy does call her dad and her dad obviously is pissed and he's screaming at her on the phone. Lucy hangs up on him. Lucy's like, sorry, I can't hear you, dad. I'm going through a tunnel. Bye. Bye. She hangs up on dad. The drive continues, okay? The road trip continues until Ben's car breaks down, which, you know what? I guarantee you, Ben did not do a checkup before he embarked on this long-ass road trip. I guarantee you he didn't do the state inspection and shit. Does Georgia need state inspection stickers? Kentucky doesn't. Oh, really? Yeah, we don't have state inspections. They don't give a fuck what you're driving. Oh, my God. It doesn't really have to be an actual vehicle. I'm pretty sure I could motorize a lawnmower with a wooden frame. So do you think that in Kentucky, if your car stops running, you can cut a hole at the bottom and just have you and your family just move your little footsies really quickly, get around that way? Could we? In theory, yes. I haven't seen it, though. I have not seen a little Flintstone car here. But you know what? I haven't been everywhere, so never say never. <laughs> never say never. The car breaks down, and Lucy's dad's a mechanic. So she mm -hmm. goes to take a look. She does something, and she's like, it's your radiator. That's 350-plus labor. Tensions are high right now, right? Because the car is broken down. Mm -hmm. They're stranded. They don't have the money to fix the car. Yeah, they barely have enough money for gas food in a hotel room. Ben doesn't think it's the radiator. He thinks it's a gasket of some sort. But either way, regardless of what it is, Ben walks to go get a tow truck because they don't have cell phones. Leaving the girls with the car, you have Mimi, who's like, I am starving. And then you have Kit, who's complaining about her makeup or something. Those two get in a fight, like a physical fight. Mimi's trailer park ass just goes right after Kit. I know it was so crazy because Mimi is pregnant and Kit is like, I don't want to hit you. But right now it's looking like I'm gonna have to hit you. Your face ain't pregnant, bitch. Your face ain't pregnant. <laughs> Anyways, then you have cute little Britney Spears wedging her way in there. She's like, I'm tired of hearing y'all bitching and complaining all the damn time. So at the mechanic, they realized that Lucy was right. It is the radiator that's cracked. It is going to cost a bunch of money to fix. They don't have the money. Lucy's like, you know what? 
The trip is done. I'm calling my dad. Yeah. She dials her dad from the auto shop. And Mimi's like, I'm begging you. Just listen to me. I have a really good idea. Because all of Mimi's other ideas have also been fantastic. (laughs) Yes. So they're in Louisiana right now. Uh And Mimi gets the idea that they should head on down to a bar, like a very popular tourist place. And they should perform. Actually, that she should perform because Mimi is the one with musical aspirations here. Mimi wants to perform to make money. Yeah, there's this karaoke contest at this bar. And the way the karaoke contest works for the audience is if you hate them, tell them and get them off the stage. If you love them, tip them and be generous. Yeah, so the next scene is the girls getting ready for this karaoke performance. They're all dressed really differently. Lucy has like a white button down that looks like what she would wear at church. Yeah, it's like this cute little flowy like baby doll like top and like jeans. Yeah, and Kit is like, listen, if we're going to go out there, if we're trying to make money, we need to look hot. Kit's like, listen, this is tip based. No one's getting tips without tits. So (laughs) we need to sex this up a little bit. So they all change their outfits. They all definitely dress very like rockery Mm -hmm. vibes. Yeah, very sexy. So the girls go out on stage. Mimi is front and center. She's the one that's going to be singing. Kit and Lucy are supposed to be doing background vocals or whatever. Mm -hmm. Poor Mimi. She's very visibly pregnant. And she goes out there and she gets stage fright, probably because she hears people whispering like, is she pregnant? It's Louisiana, ain't nobody being like, oh my God, is she pregnant? Yeah, you don't think so? Yeah, no. Someone said that. Someone did say that, but like in real life, no one's saying that. No one cares. (laughs) But also they're like, are they even legal? Isn't this past their bedtime? Mimi gets stage fright. She completely freezes up there and people start booing her. And it's really heartbreaking to see. It is. She just, there's so many lights and people are talking. She just, she can't do it. So she goes over to Lucy and she's like, I need you to do it for me. I need you to do it for me. We need this money. You have to go. Lucy's like, oh my God, no. I mean, I never expected to. I love rock and roll. Yes. (laughs) Listen, she goes from, no, 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 I can't, to just getting right into that song, booty popping on a stripper pole. In her defense, she does, for the very first time, act a little bit shy in the beginning. But yes, she very quickly starts booty popping. The crowd goes wild. This is Britney Spears putting on a free show. Mm -hmm. Okay. And yeah, they make tons of money. When Ben counts the money at the end, they've, he says, and I love the vagueness of it because this is for plot purposes. This is all we need to know. Ben is like, we've made more than enough for the trip and for the repairs of the car. And I'm like, all right, that sounds legit. So they've made at least $350 Plus like another like two, they made like $550. We don't know how much they made, but we do know that they've made enough to get a nicer hotel room. Yeah, they get a nicer hotel room. It has a mini bar in it. So Ben, the only legitimate adult in the situation, he gets them checked into the room. He takes them upstairs. He carries their luggage and stuff. And then he just drops the girls off and he's like, I have to go for a run. He probably has to go rub one out from watching Britney Spears performing, <laughs> to be completely oh honest. God. Like, what? I'm just saying. Yeah, that's probably accurate. And so the girls are like mini bar. They're getting drunk off wine coolers. The non-pregnant ones are. 
This is where we get our little bonding montage because the girls get drunk. They sit around talking all night. They start opening up. For example, Lucy tells the girls that, you know, her mom left when she was three and she thinks that her mom just got really mad in the heat of the moment and wasn't thinking and just left. And then after a while, it was just too late to come back. So she thinks her mom wants to see her, but just is too scared. Yeah, Lucy's like, no, like I know my mom wouldn't just walk out on us like that. Bitch, how do you know you were three? Right. Like you didn't even know her for real. For real. And listen, no dad wants to raise a daughter on his own. Listen, if there is a way to get mom back, dad would have done it. Yeah. Can you imagine how mean a teenage girl would be to a single dad, especially if she has no siblings to take out her angst on? Yeah. She probably made dad cry. As good of a kid as Lucy was, she probably made dad cry. Listen, she says something really mean later that I'll talk to you about when we get to that point. But she definitely <laughs> made dad cry. So, you know, she says that and she says that she just knows that her mom's going to want to see her. Yeah. So Kit talks about the best thing that ever happened to her was going to fat camp every summer because, number one, it helped her lose weight, which was her life goal. And two, it helped her be away from her mom. She said two months of my mom not talking about how fat I was was amazing. Oh, that's so heartbreaking. Kit opens up about that, which like humanizes her a little bit, right? Because she's the popular, perfect girl. And then you realize like she is deeply insecure, which we love. We love a deeply insecure girly. <laughs> we don't. Just kidding. <laughs> we can relate. She is us. We are her. <laughs> yes. And then we get Mimi. Mimi says she only partied once. It was over Christmas break. It was a party on like the field. There was a bunch of people from their school there. People she knows. So she didn't feel generally unsafe. But this was yeah. pre-pregnancy, by the way. There is this guy. He was drinking from a blue beer bottle. You know, he was really cute, really nice. And he offered to drive her home. Well, Mimi doesn't say what happened next, but it's almost like the girls could hear the sad music playing in the background of the movie because they all knew in that moment that that Mimi was raped. And the byproduct of that rape was the pregnancy. Yeah, which I think was shocking for the girls because everyone assumed that Mimi was just sleeping around and cheated on her boyfriend and got pregnant. Mimi says she didn't tell anybody because I think in her head, she thought, I'm a girl from a trailer park. No one's going to care. Honestly, if you look at the way her peers treat her, they're not going to believe her. They're going to be like, oh, okay. She just doesn't want to be seen as a whore. Yeah, it's so sad. Also, Mimi tells the girls that she is actually very excited because she's going to put up the, the baby for adoption. Yeah. She said that she got all this paperwork from an adoption agency she needs to fill out and stuff like that to look for families and stuff. But you know what? She's going to give her baby a better life than she had. She's going to get her mm -hmm. baby out of the trailer park from birth. This was a very important night for the girls. They really got closer. They bonded. They even ask each other, why did we stop being friends? Nobody has good reasons why you stop being friends. It just happens. You just grow apart. It's sad, but it's life. It's sad, but it's life. They have a great, they have a great time. Ben never comes back to the hotel room. And they find him sleeping in the backseat of the car. Yeah, Ben fell asleep in the backseat of the car. And the girls decide, oh, he looks so good sleeping. He's been driving so much. They decide that they're going to drive the car, which, again, is the one boundary. The one thing Ben said they weren't allowed to do was drive his car. Listen, this is an older car. Bitch is probably loud. Plus, it's a convertible. Yeah. The top is down. And the girls have their chick music blaring. Yeah, 
how is he sleeping through all of this for a good amount of time? Ben must be able to sleep through a Category 5 hurricane because he doesn't wake up for a long time. He actually doesn't wake up until the girls turn on the radio pretty loud and they're singing Shania Twain's Man, I Feel Like a Woman. It's such a cute scene. Like, I love the scene in the movie, the three girls in the front seat of the convertible mm-hmm. just screaming this song, which is so... It is a song that we needed in the early 2000s. Listen, that song is still a bop. It is forever and always. Ben wakes up dazed and confused and he's like, pull the car over. And Lucy's like, oh, sorry, can't. It's illegal to pull over on the side of the highway. He's like, pull the car over. It's my car. Pull it over. She says no again. And he's like, pull the goddamn car over. He actually hits the front seat where she's sitting and the three girls get really serious really quickly. Because remember, they, as far as they know, this guy killed someone. (laughs) They still think he's probably a murderer. So she pulls the car over and he gets out of the car and he's pacing and kicking shit and doing manly displays of anger. And they're like, yeah, probably a murderer. Yeah, probably. 10 out of 10. Lucy goes over to talk to him. He explains his feelings, which love. If there's one thing that men should mansplain, it's their feelings. That is the only acceptable thing. Please mansplain your feelings to me. He says, listen, every single aspect of my life has been taken over by chicks these past few days. I'm surrounded by you guys at all times. And he's probably used to being alone most of the time. And now there's people fucking everywhere. Essentially, he's saying that all this feminine energy is making him feel insecure about his masculinity. Yeah. And he said (laughs) the only thing he has is his car. And it was the one thing he asked them not to fuck with. And then they fucked with it. I know. I like understand him being upset about them violating a clear boundary that he set. I just think it's really silly for him to be like, oh, all this girl energy. It, you know, it's making me less of a man. Just because you surround yourself with women doesn't mean you're going to start growing a vagina. Contrary to popular belief, vaginas are not contagious. They I know are it not. sounds like a disease. I know the word sounds like an illness, vagina, but it's actually not contagious. It is not contagious at all. Anyways, so the girls are like, okay, we're sorry we played with your toy. They get back in the car and then they're like, so can we ask you a question, Ben? And he's like, sure. And they're like, were you in prison? And he's like, yeah. They're like, so you did murder someone? He's like, what the fuck? No. He's like, wait a minute. You guys thought I murdered someone and you got in a car with me? What is wrong with you? It turns out he didn't murder anybody. His stepsister was being beat up by his stepdad and asked Ben to come get her. It's illegal to transport minors across state lines without parental consent. Right. And obviously his stepdad pressed charges because he was a piece of shit. So it kind of sucks because, dude, that's a federal crime. It's kidnapping. It's kidnapping of a mind. Like, it's serious. I mean, the FBI would be called. I'm just saying things don't look great for him now, considering that he essentially kidnapped three (laughs) other teenage girls. They're not underage. That's the thing. But it's it did occur to me that I'm like, you went to jail for taking minors across state lines against their parents' consent. And then you're doing this again. Did you check anybody's IDs? They are all 18, which, by the way, I wasn't 18 when I graduated high school. I was 17. I was 17. And I was like freshly 17 because I turned 17 in December. So I was only like a couple months into 17. Uh, I turned 17 in July. So Mm -hmm. I turned 18 like two months after I graduated. Ben and the girls are now somewhere entering Arizona area. He takes them hiking. He takes them to this very scenic spot. It's so beautiful that the girls get this wild hair up their butt. 
and they want to camp out. Yes. And he's like, are you sure? Because listen, in his mind, he's probably like, I'm not packing this shit up in the middle of the night to go to a hotel when y'all decide that you don't like camping. But they say they're sure. After they get the camp set up and it's dark, they have a fire going. Kit and Mimi go to use the bathroom. They go to use the bathroom bush. That leaves Ben and Lucy at the fire. Ben and Lucy are sitting by the fire. There is a little vulnerability there. It's nighttime, the fire. And Ben notices that Lucy is writing away in a journal. He asks her what she's writing. She says it's a poem. The poem is actually just the lyrics to Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman. By Britney Spears. By Britney Spears. He asks her to read her what she wrote, and she reads verbatim the lyrics to Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman. There were times where this movie just felt like promotional material for a Britney Spears album. Because I think that was the big marketing point for this movie was Britney Spears. Also plot sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, rarely. Mostly Britney Spears. But, you know, he's just like, it's beautiful. I love it. And she's like, really? You mean it? Do you can you recite the lyrics by heart? Because I can. I cannot. Okay, so the lyrics are... I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. All I need is time, something that is mine while I'm in between. I'm not a girl. I do really like that song. When I tell you that the song hit, okay, because I was like, I'm not a girl and I'm also not yet a woman. I'm somewhere in between. I was 12, so definitely still a girl. I think I was like 16, 17. I can see how it hit harder for you. And you know what's the firelight? It's the vulnerability. It's the close proximity for the past few days. There's an almost moment. They, he goes in for it. He goes in for the kiss. Their lips barely touch. And then Mimi screams because something bitter, but... The kiss gets interrupted. We love an almost kiss. Kit comes back and she's like, we're leaving first thing in the morning. Nothing's biting my ass. The next morning, Ben pulls up in front of Lucy's mom's house in Arizona. They've made it. They've made it to Lucy's final destination. It looks like a nice house. Mom looks like she's doing very well for herself. Yeah, she does. And Mimi and Kit tell her, listen, if you change your mind, we're not leaving until the morning. So you know where we're staying. You can come to our room if you need to. And Lucy's like, no, everything will be fine. Good luck. Make sure you tell me everything. I was hoping for a goodbye kiss between Lucy and Ben, and it looks like he wanted to, but then he just kisses her on the forehead. And it's like, good luck. Lucy walks up to the door, knocks. An older blonde woman, like a middle-aged blonde woman, answers the door. It's Kim Cattrall. Who the fuck is Kim Cattrall? You don't know who Kim Cattrall is? No. Oh my God, from Sex in the City. I never watched Sex in the City. Oh, Lord have mercy. You are from a parallel universe. Kim Cattrall plays Samantha in Sex and the City. And if you've never watched Sex and the City for some weird reason, Samantha was a very sexual, liberal person. But in this movie, she looks like a very button up, serious, you know, soccer mom. She does. And it's because she is. Lucy's like, Mama, it's me, Lucy. You know what? Her mother could have just been like, wrong house. Honestly, that would have been the kinder thing to do, to just be like, oh, I'm so sorry. No, your mom died. She's actually dead. Like, it's not me. She could have just been like, no, sorry. We just bought this place. You missed her. You know what? All white women with blonde hair look alike, sweetie. I totally understand you confusing us. Instead, this woman invites Lucy in and was like, why are you here? She is not happy to see her. Lucy finds out she has two brothers 
who don't know she exists. And then the woman's like, sit down. We need to have a talk. I think Lucy knows what's coming. She looks very sad that her mom wasn't excited to see her. Her world is crushed, essentially. But I hate the fact that we don't get to hear what the mom says. It just cuts to the scene of Kit and Mimi and Ben in the hotel room. So Lucy knocks on the door. Ben opens it. And there's Lucy just soaking wet from the rain because it's pouring outside now. She's soaking wet from the rain. She has her bags and she just looks sad and defeated. I know it's so heartbreaking. It really is. I also love the idea of being sad in the rain. I wish it was, I wish our emotions controlled the weather because how cathartic would it be for it to just pour rain every time we were devastated? Just having one of those little sad clouds right over you to just pour rain on you. It poured rain and then we could play Hilary Duff. I don't care what anybody says. Hilary Duff music is fucking elite. I love it. Yeah. Lucy's friends gather around her. They get her a towel. They're like, honey, what's wrong? Lucy just gets up and like zombie walks to the bathroom. And then Ben being so sweet, he goes in to bring her dry clothes. And then he crouches down and sits next to her on the bathroom floor of the hotel. And he's like, what happened? And she says, my mom said she doesn't want me. She said that my dad made her have me and that I was just a mistake. Dude, this was out of pocket from the writers. The fact that we didn't see the mom say this, I think is because it was such an unbelievable line. Well, apparently mom was like, oh, I can't have this girl showing back up when my boys are home. I have to crush her thoroughly right now. So she never comes back. I have to crush her spirits pretty hard. It almost seems like the mom had a little list hidden somewhere in her house from when her daughter came to find her. And she was like, oh, wait, hold on a second. Where's this list? Okay, number one, I didn't even want you. Number two, I left for a reason. Number three, the fuck you doing here? (laughs) Number four, you need to go. Lucy's just so sad and devastated. She just breaks down crying on the bathroom floor right in front of Ben. Yeah, it's really, it's a sad scene. Lucy's just crying. Ben is consoling her. These type of scenes are really important for me to believe a romance is blossoming you need these moments of vulnerability lucy is depressed obviously as Mm. being rejected by one's mother would do but you know what though we actually talk a lot about how usually in movies it's like the dad that leaves to get milk and never gets back and we're like you know what we're equal opportunity here we want dirtbag moms as much as dirtbag dads i'm going to make a caveat to a statement we've made in the past by supporting women's rights and women's wrongs we don't support this wrong no we don't but representation is important it is important (laughs) we can't just say that men are dirtbags when this woman did the same thing. So the next day, Ben takes Lucy to the hotel lobby. He has a surprise for her because he was trying to lift her spirits. He can see that she's really depressed about her mom and he's trying to make her feel better. So he takes her to the hotel lobby, which is this really beautiful scenic area with a white piano. What hotel lobby has a white piano? Okay. I don't know. The surprise Ben has for her is that he wrote music to go along with the poem she wrote. Yes. And so he proceeds to play the notes to... Britney Spears, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. Mm -hmm. And she sings it along. And it's cute because she's trying to be like, oh, is this the harmony? I I don't know. I've never heard this song before. I don't know. This (laughs) is so new to me. I'm really shy. I don't, I barely perform ever. But she does. She's, he plays the piano, she sings, and then they finally have their moment. 
Lucy leans over and she kisses Ben. And you know what? He deserves it at this point. He's been a really cool guy. Really cool, uh-huh. really sweet, really supportive. I stand this. Yes. Forget the fact that he's technically a felon, convicted felon. Also, he has the always perpetually a little like physically dirty vibe going for him. And I dig it. They make it to California and first thing they do is they check into the hotel then they head to the beach they are just so excited okay Mimi has her toes in the Pacific Ocean and she's just so happy and Lucy has had a revelation and her revelation is there are colleges in California I don't have to go back to Georgia I could stay here and she tells Ben and here's the thing the look Ben gives her is kind of like oh okay so this is going to be a thing I thought I thought it was a fling, but you are, you're staying. It was just like one kiss, but okay. It was just one kiss and now you're going to change your whole life for me. Okay. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Stage five clinger. <laughs> Later at the hotel, Kit calls Dylan, her fiance, and she's like, babe, I'm in LA. When can I see you? And he's like, oof, I'm so busy today. And she's like, I came all the way to L.A. I want to see you. And he's like, I know. Let's make plans for tomorrow. This guy could not give more hints that he's over her. Meanwhile, we have Mimi, who's like, let's go see the Hollywood sign. Mimi and Kit went to go sightseeing, but... Lucy and Ben are being kind of sneaky, sneaky. They're pretending that they're busy. Lucy's pretending that she's busy writing her journal. Ben is pretending that he's busy playing the guitar. And they're kind of like, we're just going to stay behind. We have no plans, like no plans at all. But we're just going to stay behind here together alone. And then Ben tosses his keys. He's like, here, just take the car. He was like, there is no way I'm missing out the opportunity to be alone in a hotel room with Britney Spears. Take my car, wreck my life. I don't care. Yes. And that's exactly what happens. Two of the girls take the car to go sightseeing. And then Ben and Lucy, they get down. He's like, are you sure? And she's like, I'm sure. This is a lifelong do-gooder losing her virginity to a felon, which like, isn't it how it goes, though? The person that doesn't have immunity to bad boys, you know, like you go from being like this really good girl to dating someone in prison. And also you're, you left out some key parts. This lifelong do-gooder is losing her virginity to the felon that she ran away from home with and then drove across the country with. Yes. You know, it's fine. He's hot. So Kit and Mimi are in the convertible driving down a main road in Los Angeles. The vibes are great until Mimi realizes that Kit is not driving to the Hollywood sign. Mimi automatically knows she's going to go see her fiance. And Mimi's like, Kit, no, you can see Dylan tomorrow. The vibes are weird, dude. Like it's it seems like it's more than just I'm annoyed you're changing the plans. Mimi is like low-key panicking a little bit. Yeah, she does not want to go, but Kit is insistent. Even when they get to Dylan's apartment building, Mimi's like, I'll wait in the car. And Kit's like, no, I need you here with me. Come on. Kit all but drags Mimi up several flights of stairs to her fiance's apartment. And girl, when Kit gets to her fiance's apartment and knocks on the door and he opens the door and then he does that thing where he immediately steps outside and closes the door behind him a little bit. This was giving 
original TikTok couch boy energy. Yes. Oh my God. I remember that fiasco. That was fucking wild. TikTok couch boy fiasco was this girl flew across the country to go surprise her boyfriend at college and she got to his apartment. She had a friend or somebody that was recording it. She walked in. She sees her boyfriend on the couch. He's sitting sandwiched between two girls. He doesn't even get off the couch right away. Yeah. Bro panicked. He, his soul <laughs> left his body. Yeah, you could definitely see in that video, he was like, oh no, I've been caught. This poor girl spent, I don't know how long, how many months defending her boyfriend and swearing that he, he wasn't cheating, that he does love her, da da da. Girl, don't go to bat for any man like that. Like, I wouldn't even defend my husband like that. I'd be like, nah, yeah, right, yeah, right, you're right. It is shady. I- I'm going to look into it. <laughs> she didn't even want to be like, yeah, definitely looks sus. She was like, absolutely not. And then people are like, why does he have some other girl? People deep dived into this. They're like, why is there another girl's hair tie around his wrist? He hands a phone from his hoodie pocket to the girl next to him who hides it. Girl, people put this video in slow motion and they were analyzing shot by shot, catching more and more details of like how one girl immediately scooched over, how what their faces look like. He like it was just it was a lot. So anyway, this is the vibes that Kit's fiance is giving as he very obviously doesn't want Kit to come into his apartment. And he's like, hey, babe, I'd love to hang out, but I have a friend in here. He's really upset. We're going through some stuff right now. And then you hear a girl in the background go, do you need money for the pizza? And Kit is just like, oh, hell no. Yeah, Kit opens the door and she sees a very hot girl sitting on her fiance's couch. And, you know, Kit is trying to confront her fiance, who's very obviously cheating on her. And he's trying to gaslight her all the while casually sipping from a beer bottle. Yeah, Mimi is just deer in the headlights frozen in the hallway. She hasn't moved. But Dylan did say, hey, Mimi. And she's, she's like, hey, Dylan. Kit's starting to put the pieces together. Okay. She looks down at the beer bottle and it's blue. And she's like, oh my God. Kit turns to Mimi and says, was it him? Was it Dylan? Did Dylan rape you? And Mimi starts walking off and Kit hurries over, grabs Mimi's arm, drags her back. And she says, no, he needs to admit it. And I don't know how I feel about this. Like, I understand both girls are going through something like Kit is going through a very upsetting time of one, her fiance cheating, two, finding out that her fiance is a man who raped one of her best friends. But then also, like, you're forcing Mimi to confront her rapist when she's not ready to do so. Yes. Mimi jerks out of Kit's grasp and she's like, I need to leave. Mimi is trying to run away and she trips at the top of the stairs and falls down the whole flight of stairs. Yes. And before the scene even cuts away, we hear sirens. I don't know. I feel like I needed to note that because I felt like the editing was a little sloppy there. (laughs) It was just it was just a, a couple milliseconds too early for the sirens. But anyway, it cuts to sirens. Mimi ends up in the hospital. She lost a baby. It is devastating. Obviously, Lucy and Ben go to the hospital too. Mimi tells Lucy how she had decided as she was dipping her toes in the Pacific Ocean that she was going to keep the baby. Yeah, it's very devastating. I I think Lucy realizes, okay, you know what? Now's a good time to call dad. Lucy calls her dad. Her dad has to fly in super last minute and he comes in hot, immediately yelling at her in the hospital waiting room. Yeah, dad comes in hot and he's like, I had to take money out of the savings account that I put away for your college 
for last minute flights to get out here to get you guys. And so it seems like Lucy's dad is the designated parent to save the day. Where are the other girl's parents? The writers were like, you know what it is? The other girl's parents just weren't in the movie budget. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They just weren't in the budget. Yeah, we only have enough money for one parent. That's why, (laughs) you know, we paid for Dan Aykroyd and Kim Cattrall. So we could not afford other parents. Yeah, that took us over. But so dad's just like berating her and Lucy's just taking it. She's like, I know. We have this cute moment where Kit goes with flowers to apologize to Mimi. And Mimi is actually proud of Kit. Mimi is proud of Kit because Kit sucker punched Dylan right before Mimi fell down the stairs. So that was like Mimi's last thing that she saw was like her rapist hitting the floor which is pretty that's pretty that's awesome lucy goes back to the hotel and she's packing up all of her stuff and ben's there and he's like what's going on and she's like mm-hmm. i i have to go to my dad's hotel with him it was like a condition yeah. yeah ben is begging lucy to stay because once again there is some sort of audition and i think if i'm not mistaken this is the audition that mimi wanted to come to california for so Ben is asking Lucy to stay for the audition. He's like, listen, we have this great song. Stay with me. We'll perform it. And Lucy's just like, I can't. I have to go back. Like, my dad is counting on me. I need to go to med school. I have to stop being a whore. Like, it's just life, you know? She's like, I already like put my dad through enough. Like, my mom put him through enough. I'm not going to put him through that. Like, I have to go home. And dad gets, I guess, last minute flights together to fly all the girls back to Georgia. So it's the next day. Dad, Lucy, Kit, and Mimi are getting into a taxi to go to the airport. All the bags are in the car. Lucy says goodbye to Ben. In the car, dad's sandwiched between Kit and Lucy. Mimi's in the front seat. And dad's like, all right, you know, we're going to go home. We're going to finish out the summer. We're going to pretend like this never happened. And you guys will agree to never do anything dumb like this ever again. And he's, again, berating Lucy a little bit for being an 18-year-old girl. And she, Lucy's had it. They're at a red light. The taxi is. Lucy takes off her locket and says, Dad, don't make me run like mom did. Damn. The fuck? It's very Twilight-esque. Oh my God, that's so true. So Lucy tells her dad, I don't want to run away from you like mom did. Like, please just let me go. And you're so right. It is so Twilight-esque. I really hated that scene in Twilight where Bella is so mean to Charlie. Dude, we need to do Twilight. I know we did Midnight Sun, but I feel like we need to do Twilight because I think we could do it so much better this time. Okay, we can do next week's Twilight. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Twilight's my comfort movie. I watch it in the background all the time. Yes, we're doing Twilight. Dope. But we have Lucy, okay, she hands her dad the locket and then she gets out of the taxi and just runs towards Ben, who's still watching the taxi cab. She runs towards him and he picks her up and he swings her around and they kiss. And then dad just gets out of the car just defeated like, ah, man. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I was thinking in this moment? It's really cute. And young me watched this like, oh my God, happily ever after. Love it. But adult me is watching this and thinking, they don't have a plan. Like he has no money. This guy has no, he's an unemployed felon. (laughs) And she is a high school girl that has no plans in California because she didn't apply to any schools in California. Even if she had, she doesn't have out-of-state tuition money. They have no plans. They're both unemployed. Love ain't gonna feed you, baby. 
love ain't gonna feed you or house you. They don't have anywhere to live. They don't have a definite hotel money. <laughs> but don't worry about any of this. Shh, it's fine. It's fine. It's movie magic. And then we get our final scene and it's the audition. Ben is playing in a band in the background with a band that he put together for this purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. You have Kit and Mimi singing backup vocals. And then you have Britney Spears singing Not a Girl, Not Yet a Woman for like a panel of judges while her dad looks on proudly in the crowd crying. Yeah. Yeah, he's crying because she just threw her entire future in the trash. But I guess what I don't love is that we're supposed to forget that it was Mimi's dream to be a a recording artist. And now she's singing backup vocals for Lucy. That's a little cold. You know what I mean? So listen, Mimi just had to face her rapist, lost her baby, and is now watching somebody else get her dream. Justice for Mimi. Justice for Mimi, 100%. And she's doing it all with a smile on her face. Just so proud. Just no complaints. She looks so happy for her friend. She does look so happy. This might be Mimi's villain origin story, and I would not blame her. It's how she ended up as Pensachucky in Origins the New Black. Yes. So the actress that plays Mimi, what's her name again? Taryn Manning. Taryn Manning. She plays a character in Orange is the New Black. And Orange is the New Black was a very popular show, which was essentially about female convicts in jail like in prison it was about prison life and yeah she was like she was pretty crazy in that show orange is the new black seems like a natural part two to the crossroads Mm -hmm. movie as far as mimi's concerned yeah anyways this is where our movie leaves us the teapot is empty for today don't worry maury's bringing it on the way we'll be back next week with another episode see you next time bye